Hello and welcome to True Crime People and Places, the podcast where we explore the world of true crime from an academic and personal perspective. I'm Linda Sage, a criminal psychologist with over four decades of experience working with some of the most dangerous individuals in the world. This is a fairly new podcast and we are developing the systems and growing our audience. So we appreciate your support and feedback. This podcast may contain discussions of violence, murder, sexual assault and other topics related to true crime. Listener discretion is advised. If you are sensitive to these topics, please be aware that this podcast may be triggering you. If at any time you feel overwhelmed or distressed, please take a break and seek support from a mental health professional or support organisation. Hi, welcome back. I'm Linda Sage and this is True Crime People and Places podcast. Today I'm going to reflect back on some of the questions that I get asked an awful lot about coercive control and it's one of the things that's pretty topical and we do hear an awful lot about. So uh, going back and uh, reflecting on some of the things that people have asked me about this and I thought uh, we could go over some of these questions because they might be things that uh, are relevant uh, to to you as well or people around you. So I get all asked an awful lot what is coercive control and how does it differ from other forms of abuse. Coercive control is basically one human being trying to take over and control the life of another. Now I'm quite um, choosy here on the words because we see an awful lot of this in um, domestic abuse. We do also see a a lot of it um, in toxic relationships and it has a tendency of being aligned with female victims and male perpetrators, which is certainly the majority of the cases. However, it is gender neutral in this respect because it will affect right across all types of relationships. It doesn't have to be intimate relationships, it could be colleagues, it could be neighbours, it could be friends, all sorts of things. So we're not just looking at genders, it's any type of relationship this could actually come into because it's all about the control, it's nothing to do about the gender relationship within the um, relationship but part of it if you're going off on the domestic side of it then obviously or the intimate partner um, abuse then that's part of it but it's not the overall umbrella of this and it takes all sorts of forms of abuse uh, um, this because it's very sneaky and it's not like um, violence if you went out with somebody on the first date and they go your black eye you probably wouldn't be going back out with them on the second date but coercive control does start from very very early on just having a conversation with somebody if they're particularly interested and they're asking you a lot of questions about you and your life a lot of people are quite flattered and they think oh this is very nice somebody's interested but they're actually gleaning information they're very very clever at the way they take this information and they will use it against you at a a later time because they're finding out 
Do you have a good support network? What sort of uh, financial situation are you in? And they could be asking very simple questions about, oh, do, do your family live uh, close by? Or are you close to your family? So then they're, they're never outwardly offensive questions but they are gleaning this information so beware from the very first day if you find somebody that you really think is uh, so into you and they're asking so many questions there actually might be a different uh, motive behind it rather than just starting up the conversation or uh, being friendly and so what is, uh, question number two, what are some common red flags and signs that somebody may be experiencing coercive control in a relationship? Well, there are so many, there are lots. Basically, if you have a gut feeling that something isn't right, then you are probably right. Because what we do find is a huge amount, not just coercive control, but um, within the domestic abuse, within stalking, so many people know that something has um, gone wrong or they feel uh, bad about something or it just doesn't gel, but they dismiss it. So my, my basic information is always, no matter what it is, if it doesn't feel right, listen to those feelings. Also, if you've got people around you that are saying to you that... Um, perhaps they don't particularly like this person or perhaps they've got a bad vibe, then maybe listen. Because the thing is, we do have people around us that care for us generally. And when people are genuine, they will take note of this. But we, when we get in this emotional state, we tend to think, oof, okay, I'll, I'll overrule that or I'll make excuses for that or oh, but, uh, they, were, they were very nice when they did this. So we tend to overlook it. And everybody, I think everybody I've ever spoken to always says, yeah, looking back, there, there were traits and I could see. So your gut feeling is one of your most important ones. But um, if you're uh, a feeling that uh, decisions are being made or that um, somebody's twist, twisting your words, that's a, a very good one, you know, in coercive control, especially uh, very many narcissistic and psychopathic behaviour traits and um, personality traits there. So they are master manipulators, they are liars, but they are very consummate liars. The fact that they will speak, uh, stick to somewhere near the truth, then if they get caught out, it's always your fault. Yeah, or you didn't understand properly, or oh, you must understood that you didn't, uh, you didn't listen properly. That's not what I said. So they're very easy to turn the blame round onto somebody else. So again, if this happens and you ignore it, things are only going to progress. So it's really important to remember. But if early on, if you've got signs that you just think mm, that, that feels a bit wrong, then listen to it because it will be much, much harder to get out of the type of relationship further down the line. Okay, question number three. How does coercive control affect the mental health and well-being of the victim? It absolutely devastates the victim. You know, they usually go from maybe really quite confident, outgoing people to completely nervous wrecks. 
because they get to the stage where they're walking on eggshells, they don't know what the triggers are going to be because every day they're different. You know, one day you can cook eggs and they're actually beautiful and the next day uh, they, they throw them at the wall. Or at work, you know, you could be talking to somebody about um, uh, doing some work and they're absolutely fine and the next day it's the same thing and it's a completely different reaction. So triggers are never the same and this is the problem because if they were always the same thing, there might be same things on major triggers like maybe finance or um alcohol um drugs and things like this but on the everyday things nine times out of ten they could be different triggers every single time so it, all the victims get to stage where they're walking on eggshells and they don't want to say anything because they don't know what they're going to say, how it's going to be taken. And also, you know, very often then it gets to the stage where when they say nothing, that that's a trigger because the, the person in, in control is all about control. It's nothing to do with love. It's nothing to do about protective. It's nothing to do about caring for somebody. It is all about control. That's what, what it all comes down to. And number four. Are there specific laws and legal frameworks in place to address coercive control in different countries? In some countries there are, here in the UK we do, and uh, the addition to this was in uh, last year, June last year, where we had the non-fatal strangulation, because uh, very often um, I'm told from many, many people that this is an act that very often comes in the coercive control as it's um, escalating and getting to the higher higher stages with the physical, not only the, the mental and psychological and emotional abuse. Uh, not all coercive control is physical. It does escalate to that at times, but a lot of it is the psychological and emotional as well until it bubbles over into the physical. But some people for years are, are with the emotional and psychological and it doesn't go to the physical, but for others it escalates quite quickly. So it it's not just one thing, it's something right across. So making sure whatever country you're living in have a look at the um, domestic violence laws because that will be sort of the umbrella that it come uh, comes under in your own legal uh, framework number five so we're halfway through can coercive control occur in relationships other than an intimate partner relationship and of course, I've already uh, touched on this a little bit. Yes, it can, right across the board. It could be friendships, it could be neighbours, it could be colleagues. Any, anybody that you sort of have uh, any type of relationship with, then it has the opportunity of um, a controlling factor. And so it's really important to think that... Um, you're looking just at the domestic side, the in intimate partner side, say comes under the framework and it's part of it but it's not all of it by any means a, a bit like the the stalking you know you would think that stalking under one heading but there's all all sorts of different ones that come under that with the the intimate partner the stranger the, the cyber stalking and several others are there so it's really important to think of this as an umbrella with various things that pop go into pot and you very often find that several of these go in to mix up and make each 
unique relationship. Although we can put a lot of similarities across the board, each one can be a little bit different. And, and this is the issue. It's, a, it's not one size fits all. There are different uh, parameters in all sorts of the relationships. Number six, what are the long-term effects of experienced coercive control? Again, it's very varied. I think for an awful lot of people, they wait far too long to speak to somebody else about it. They wait far too long to report it and they wait far too long to get out of the um, relationship. Now, this also, it can be a trigger point because for an awful lot of people, actually coming out of the relationship then escalates the controlling perpetrator because obviously they are feeling like they're losing control so they will feel cornered and this is one of the times that perhaps the violence uh, does erupt and become much uh, higher than in other times so it's really important that you don't do this alone it's uh, important to have support it's important to talk to other people and it's important to have a plan of action to get your extraction from the, the situation because nine times out of ten they're not going to give this up that easily so you need the ongoing support because so many people do come out of a relationship and then they get talked into going back so it's one of the things that if you have your moral your physical even your financial support organized it makes your safety net a lot stronger so when you leave you can actually leave and go forward because you know that so many people actually go back and it's a it's like a ping pong game that they come and they go before they actually get to the point where they really have to leave and very often here it has escalated into quite severe physical as well as um, emotional psychological damage as well so it's really important that you know, each stage is taken in uh, consequence and uh, if you can get out get out because uh, it really is never going to get that much better it's always going to be progressive number seven how can friends and family members support somebody who is experiencing coercive control right this is a quite a difficult one in the respect that while the person's in a relationship with coercive control in play, if they do not want to listen, it doesn't matter what anybody else says. The only thing you can really do is be there and support them. And part of the coercive control is that uh, the controller will start driving wedges between friends, between family members, between anybody else that's around, you know, work colleagues and things like this. So again, you are feeling much, much more isolated. So this is one of the things that if you have got a friend or family member or colleague in this situation and they turn it's probably because they've been primed because they've been told things about you that aren't true uh, they've been manipulated into to situations but the only thing you you honestly can do is wait because until that person is ready to make a move then no matter what anybody else does or says they're not going to take consequence from that until they've made their own mind up that this is enough, this is the end, and this is what I want to do about it. So as a friend and a family member, a colleague, you know, really, you can stand on the sidelines, you can wait, you can, you can give them 
uh, information. You can give them your uh, concept of this. You can give them advice, but don't be surprised if they really don't listen because uh, they do get into such a, an emotional state and the, the state of manipulation that they can't always see the wood for the trees. But when they have made the decision to make a move, then you can step in and you can help them. It's not easy and it's a, a good person that really waits around for them to be able to come out of this uh, uh, toxic relationship, whatever the sequences of it are. So number eight, what are some of the resources available for individuals who uh, need help escaping from a situation of coercive control? There is quite a lot out there. Obviously, uh, because it is um, a, a legal matter, you can report it to the police. Uh, unfortunately, it's not hugely popular uh, as a, a first stop because, uh, again, we do get a lot of reports that um, it's dismissed or it's not looked into or because these people are so uh, can be charismatic and they're very engaging very often you know they're very logical talk their way out of it through uh, other people and then you know the threats and that do escalate so although the police are there and some forces are much better at this so it's a bit of a lottery where where you live and what's in in place in your particular area but most certainly there are a lot of good charities, uh, victim support has, has particularly good support systems. But even if you went to um, a, a local information area, like your hub, your library, places like this, they will have pamphlets and information about uh, local charities, local support groups in your area, because each area does vary. But again, until you request help, you won't know what, what is there and you won't know what is available because you won't be looking for it. So it's important that there are local, there are regional, there are national uh, support agencies and charities that are there. You know, with, uh, count, uh, with the council, with the housing and things like this, it's really important to speak to people to know what you can do and what you can uh, get, what you're entitled to. So making that move because often financially um, is a big constraint as well but there are different things out there but it's go and ask and go and find out because if uh, you don't you won't know what's available it, they, as i said it's unfortunate that it is um, a postcode lottery that there are different things in different places of the country, but it's important that realise there are things in every area. It's just what's relevant to you and what's available as uh, the first port of call. But talk to anybody, talk to a friend, talk to somebody that you trust, uh, even your doctor. You know, your doctor's always a, a, a good one to start, and of course it's confidential. So if you're uh, feeling scared that somebody might repeat what you said or it might get back to the perpetrator, your, your doctor or your um, medical centre is always a good place to start as well. So where have we got to? Number nine, we've uh, gotten really quickly. So how can professionals such as therapists or counsellors assist victims of coercive control? There is a lot of um, work that therapists and obviously talking therapy, counselling can do. But unfortunately, 
um, for the majority, um, if you're going to a charity, you will get some therapy um, there because people will be primed and they will be uh, prepared and they will be trained to deal with these specific situations. But to actually go to a counsellor, unfortunately, a lot of the times now, it's still that you have to pay for it. So again, if finance is an issue or if people, you know, being a coercive control situation, every penny needs to be accounted for and things like this. So sometimes it's very hard for somebody to be able to pay for this but through your organization through your, again through your gp but unfortunately there's usually long waiting lists so there is no easy way of getting the professional uh, support without going and uh reporting there are there are say organizations and they will offer an amount or they will have somebody that works with you will be um, assigned a worker to work with you which will be a type of therapy because they will know the questions to ask they will know the principles of where uh, what's available uh, they will guide you as to what thing but that just sit down counseling and things but it is very good it is important but again, it's one of the things that uh, very often are out of reach for a lot of people to start with because usually you have to pay for them privately. And number 10, we're going to finish on, on this one today because there, there's loads, loads more questions. I'm literally just having a, a quick run through on uh, the, some of the ones that I get an after an awful lot. So I thought it would just be a way of uh, covering all of these in one go. And don't forget, I'm always interested in hearing from people, uh, uh, subjects that they're particularly interested in, or they've got some real first-hand knowledge or they're professionals and you would like to have an interview. So uh, every month we will be having a, a different professional or um, personal interview and also for the blog. So don't forget, you can uh, pop over and see what's happening on the blog as well because we have different things going on there. So coming up, number 10. What are some strategies or steps that can be taken to prevent coercive control in relationships? really it's about knowing the difference between what is a healthy relationship and what isn't um, if it's a healthy relationship yes there are always going to be times when one partner is stronger than the other when um, one has more knowledge about something than the other but this is where you you negotiate you know you you complement each other uh, coercive control is about when one dominates, one sets all the rules and the other has to follow. If a relationship is a healthy relationship, there will be a balance, there will be negotiation, there will be compromise. And if there is not, then you know it is not a healthy relationship. And unfortunately, children that are growing up in uh, toxic home environments, uh, um, parents with addictions, um, um, neglect, abuse, uh, don't have the role models to encourage them to develop healthy relationships. Even as children, you know, you get bullies, you get uh, uh, sort of the, the the leaders of, of the the groups and things like this. Yeah, but are they a healthy relationship? No, probably not. So it's about getting in and changing things and making sure that people understand. And also your self worth, your self value because if 
you are a strong person in yourself. If somebody treats you badly, you stand up to it. And if you stand up to it, the person with the coercive control personality traits uh, won't like it. But if you are strong enough, that is still the time to walk away because it's much easier to walk away early on than it is to make excuses and to keep this syndrome going. Because also you get to the stage where you have the codependency within the relationships. People believe that they're not worth any more than this. That this is, you know, this is how uh, how life is. This is, you know, how relationships are for me, and it's not. It it's just the acceptance of that, and the codependency comes in, which the controller absolutely adores because he's got you or she's got you exactly where they want you to be. So breaking out of that, stop making excuses in the early part of the relationship. Because there are red flags there, there are signposts, and that is the easiest time to actually stand and take a, a, a stance against it. If they really react, it's time to walk away. Because you know, don't, you know things are not going to get better. They are going to uh, escalate and they're going to get worse. So each individual person really needs to be uh, for themselves and helping themselves be in a good relationship. If they treat you well, if they look after you, if they they are kind to you, if they support you, then that's a a, real, a good relationship right across the board. We're not talking about genders or anything here. You know, in in all fairness, a good relationship will always be supportive and understanding of the other person. If uh, somebody doesn't fall into that category, it's always got to be their way or no way. Then yeah, perhaps it's time to think about. Uh, something different because it's only going to bring pain heartache and coming out later on is much much harder so of course my my framework is always if this has triggered anything or if uh, you're going through any of these then please reach out to somebody uh, just get the ball rolling so you're actually getting some support and make sure that you look after yourself you are kind to yourself and of course, we will be back with you next time. And uh, until then, bye for now. Thank you for listening to True Crime People and Places. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave a review. And if you have any suggestions for future topics, please let us know. See you next time.